this. Come on, come on. Where is it? Where is it? Yeah. Where are we? No, 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 no. Come on, come on, come on. Is it on? Yeah. Come on, come on. Here it is. There it is. Dingo. No, come on. That's it. Uh, yes. Hello. And a very Merry Christmas to you one and all. And welcome back to Fish and Friday on a special day. Because mm -hmm. today is not an earlier day. It's not an alcohol-free day. It's Christmas Day. Mm. <laughs> so I um, festive beard. I decided to keep it on. It'll be off for uh, New Year. So um, <clears throat> here we go. Some Merry Christmas. Yeah, Merry Christmas. Yeah. <laughs> Let's have a look. Susan. Joe Beer, Merry Christmas, mates. Where are we? Where are we? Where are we? It's jammed, is it? See where I can get to. Teresa Carr, Barnsley, John Whitehead, Happy Christmas, Gary Stafford. Barry Goodman, <coughs> Ian Faraday from Surrey, John Tymon, Lee Millard, uh, Brian Trey Gold, Karen Clark, da -da 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 -da, Ian Johnson, everybody's coming on, Chris Harris, how are you again? Chris Bailey, Raymond Vonjik, Timo Hutakangas, that's a great name, man. Uh, Piero Kokova, Merry Christmas, uh, Jane Chatterton. It's weird. This one's a really kind of, um, it's a strange one. It's, it's just been, uh, it's like, what did you get for a Brexit? Or what did you get for Christmas? Brexit. That's the shit. Yeah. So, um, you deal with all that stuff. And then we got the COVID thing. Uh, I was hoping my daughter Tara was going to be down today with Jono. And uh, they're not. They're stuck across in Fife. So the ginormous turkey that's been bought, cooked and half eaten. Uh, kinda, we had far too much of it. And it's like, I'm feeling a little bit rough at the moment because we just finished eating about an hour ago. Um, yeah, it was good. So mum's mum said to wish you all a very Merry Christmas. She had a glass of champagne and has gone to bed now. So uh, it's, um, and yeah, so it's just, it's just Simone and I now in the house. So it's like, the other couch. The other couch. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so it was um, it's kind of the Christmas. I've, I was really nervous about this one. Uh, this is fact. This is probably the most nervous I've been for a long, long time. And it's uh, it's, it's I don't know why, but yeah, I think it's just because it's Christmas and you know where to where to start. What's the worst Christmas you ever had? <laughs> Not this one. It's uh, but I was actually thinking about it because it was uh, I've got to watch what I say here. As always, um, because of the Fugazi album, 
I heard the uh, Avalon Andy's mix of Fugazi uh, last week. Avalon Andy, if you're watching, it's really nice. It's very nice. And it was, it was interesting hearing some of the old stuff like Emerald Lies again. You know, and, and Emerald Lies really springs out on, on, on Avril and Andy's mix. Really nice. And, so, and She Chameleon, I hadn't heard that for a while. But it's got a bit more oomph to it and a bit more cut. So, uh, yeah, a lot happier with this. You know, a lot happier with Because I said I remember when we got told about the Fugazi album in Liverpool. We'd been mixing it and working on the damn thing and working over across about four studios in London. And we had to go up and do a TV, some TV thing. I think it was for Punch and Judy or something. And uh, it was in Manchester. And then we had to go to Liverpool to, to basically listen to the mix. And I thought it was, you know, it was like this is still in progress. And uh, we all piled into uh, um, the studios, the studio there, Par Studios. Paul Lewis, our, our tour manager at the time, he was kind of, his wife worked in there. And uh, we piled in in this room and... It, we heard the album, we went, oh yeah, well, we'll change this and change that, and come, you know, that's not right, you know? And they went, uh, that's it, you can't do anything more, it's away, it's, it's the final thing. And we were out on tour, and it was a, a lesson learned, that one. But uh, yeah, Liverpool, it was, um, somebody was asking about, you know, why was, we were always allegedly, see, the question might be at the top, because I remembered it today. Bear with me. Alex Keir, do you have any stories from or about the great venue that was the Royal Court Theatre Liverpool? Yes. <laughs> I'll do this one first. Uh, it was, um, and if there was, we had just a thing with Liverpool. I think it had to do with Rage because uh, Rage were a band that were managed by John Arneson, our manager, and they were always out supporting us. And uh, they were a wild bunch. Uh, and they were great guys. Um, and, and of course, Milo, the drummer, was. Uh, um, is um, remembered forever on the Misplaced Children album, and uh, that's another story. But yeah, Liverpool was it, it kind of when we it was a strange thing with Liverpool because we got told when we were told that, we, we, that we'd been offered the record contract with BMI, that was in Liverpool, and we were in a club off for faces. And uh, and I um, mean, you'll find this comes up a lot when I mention Liverpool and things. And um, so we had this kind of passing thing that happened with Liverpool. All the, the shows there, we used to do warm-ups at the Royal Court. So, because we used to get the Royal, a great deal in the Royal Court, so we'd do our production rehearsals there. So when we, the first thing we set the lights up and, and, and played the set, we always had like a day, a couple of days production rehearsals, and then we had the gig and it was all part of the fee, right? And I used to love the Royal Court. It was a fantastic place. And uh, I know it closed down for a while, and I hope somebody could tell me about this, but I mean, as far as I'm aware, it's, it's opened back up again. But I think it's a seated venue. And um, when it comes down to the eventual farewell tour, um, it's, uh, I'd really like to play the Royal Court, because it is my favourite Liverpool venue that I've, I've played, you know. I mean, um, the Academy's a bit of a box, and it's a, it's a bit soulless, you know I mean? And with the low ceiling and things, it's, I mean, and it's a very tough crowd. It's, I'd say, out of all the crowds in the UK, Liverpool's the hardest to play at. Um, Glasgow, I know kind of how to work a Glasgow crowd and things, but Liverpool, I think because it's like half of the audience are absolutely pissed when they come in. And um, there's a lot of shouting and it really puts off. But the thing that I remember, this is the story, the one that this is the thing that really, really put me off on stage and you'll understand why. And I think 
it was a Christmas gig. And you can put me right or wrong on this one, right? But it was a Christmas gig at the Royal Court. And somebody that said it'd be really funny to basically get a, a scantily clad lady on the stage while we were performing. But not only was it just a scantily clad, scantily clad lady, that you're impressed by that one, I can see, but somebody decided to give her a fucking bullwhip, right? And we, I didn't know that this was going on, right? This was all big hoot and annie, and Rage had something, it was the Rage boys were at the gig and stuff, right? And um, it was, uh, we were on stage in the middle of the set, and they had somebody, I don't know who it was, it was a friend of a friend of somebody, and they talked her into it, and she wasn't really keen on doing this, right? And some idiot gave her a bottle of Jack Daniels, right? And not only did they give her a bottle of Jack Daniels, they gave her something that what we might be called known as marching powder, a lot of it. So I had this woman came on stage absolutely off her nut, right? And it was all like, you know, ho, 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 really funny, and the crowd looked out, and there was a woman coming on in a basket, suspenders and high heels with a bullwhip, right? And it was like, you know, crack across the stage. And I was like, ho, 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 isn't this a laugh, right? And then, um, then when I saw the state of her, when I actually saw into those mad eyes, right? And then I heard a squeal, right, from the other side of the stage, as I think Peter Chihuahuas realised that it was a really serious bullwhip and the crack of it basically just licked them very neatly. And... You've never seen a stage exit so fast before in your life. And it was a, uh, and this woman was raging about the stage with a bullwhip, ranting at the audience, because the audience were getting really wound up by her, because she'd basically cut the holes, she'd stopped the set. We couldn't play with a woman with a bullwhip, right? And it's a big 20-foot crack right across the stage thing, you know, and she's yelling at the audience and goading a Liverpool audience who are like already been, you know, it was just mental. It was all getting really, really ugly. And somebody said, you know, we're all hiding behind the drum risers and everything because of this woman. And, and anybody that tried to come on the stage to kind of, you know, to walk on the shepherd her off, right? <laughs> she shepherded them off. And it's like, yeah, fuck off. <laughs> And it took, it took about 10 minutes, and she had to be grabbed from two sides and take off, and she was an absolute mess. <laughs> I wouldn't have wanted to be in her heat the day after. It was like, not well, not well. But it was a, it was a great gig. But there were always brilliant gigs at, at, in Liverpool. And, it's, uh, and like I said, I, I don't know why, you know, there was just a thing built up between us over the years, and we always played Liverpool on, on tours. And like I said, when it comes to the farewell tour, you know, that's one that I'd like to tick off. Oh, no, the fire's gone out. Oh, yeah. Just, you better open the door up, love. Put the fire on for you as well. Is it gone? No, it's lit. It sits there. Yeah, leave the door open. I was really late. Christmas presents. <laughs> it's, it's, um, it's been really cool. This, this is really nice. It's all back to front, as you know. That's Simona's little decoration. And who sent those things? Katinieto Shaka. Katinieto, thank you very much. We've all got our own little Christmas decorations. There's the computer wire. Shit. But yeah, this is what I got for Christmas. <laughs> this is. Liam, my stepson, got me an axe. 
I got an axe for Christmas, and it's brilliant, right? And it's been a kind of bizarre thing. And uh, you recognise that my axe was a bit blunt. So I've got this thing, it's fucking razor sharp. And the thing was, when I got it, I was still in my dress again. He's going, oh, the present's on there, your present's there. So um, I, I opened up, it was an axe. Oh, brilliant, this is great. Took the thing off and the axe fell out of the thing and nearly landed on my toe. If it had actually landed on it, I would have been, it would have been, hello, this is Fish and Friday from Accident Emergency World 10. Right? Oh, bollocks. Fire, 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 fire. That's it. But yeah. Paul James Dawson, you were at that gig. When was it? Was it a Christmas gig? Was that a Christmas gig? Yeah. Robert Aarons, it was mayhem, talk about Rite of Passage, yeah. Robert Aarons, yeah. David Nicol, Merry Christmas, thank you. Pietro, Mark Skinner, both you and Mama Fisher, Merry Christmas from Yorkshire, thanks, man. Uh, Paul Brooks, my wife has got tickets for Sheffield. Yeah, I lost my shirt that night. Yeah, that was another one. Pavel Borkovich from Poland, Terence Quinlan. Uh, yeah, it's, um, it's, it's, like I said, it's just been a really weird Christmas. It was like, you know, you turn on, you turn on the news and it's all about, you know, kind of Brexit and then the floods. And it's like these poor bastards in Northampton. And it was like, you know, the, was it, the Nien bust its banks. And it's like, there's like about a thousand, uh, caravans or whatever, or a thousand people homeless, you know, and it's like waking up on Christmas Day, it's like, oh, just what you need, taking COVID and then getting your house flooded, you know, or, you know, if there's anybody watching this that's in a truck, you know, in, on, in a queue in Dover, my heart goes out to you, buds, it really does, it's like, what a fuck up, right, and it's like, and I remember, I can remember, like, when, before, um, before Poland was in the EU, right, going across there, and because we were on a tour bus, we were kind of okay. But the, the whole thing was, with the trucks, you know, you had to basically bribe the border guards, not without putting any point on it at all. You bribed the border guards. The bus went up, and it was basically a load of T-shirts and stuff and albums and things to get across the border. And uh, But, I mean, back then, it was like the all the Lithuanian trucks and everything. It was, oh, it was mental, right? And... um. And the thing was, there was no facilities. And I mean, that's what went through my head. It was like, you know, those poor bastards down in, down in Dover sitting on, on the M20 and everything. You know, you've got no food, right? Most of the guys have got no money. You know, they don't have credit cards. And they're sitting in a truck all day, right? And I remember on the Polish borders back then, it was, uh, the verges were not, it wasn't a place you'd ever want to walk, ever, ever, ever want to walk along a verge, along that Polish thing. And I was thinking about that as well. Because I know Yatta, Yatta said um, he got caught up in, in, in one of those things a while back. But yeah, so I was just feeling, Jesus, being there, no money, trying to get back to your family, you know, it's like, pff, yeah. But like I said, it was, even even my mum said this morning, she said, you know, she said it doesn't feel feel right. And she, she said, you know, you feel a little bit guilty because you're actually, you know, having a... a you know, you've got a turkey and you've got food and, you know, you've got wine and you're sitting in, in a warm house and things and, you know, you feel, you do feel a bit guilty about it sometimes. And it's like, because you know there are people out there that are having 
you know, a really shite time. But uh, anyway, Jason Mead, Devin, yeah. I mean, yeah. There's a load of you just sitting out there on your own. It's like I said. I mean, you know, yesterday was 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 European Christmas, and um, you know, and, and Simona had had her daughters on the phone, and you know, it was all a bit kind of teary. You know, just kind of being you know, there and where are they about down? Breslau. Yeah, they were in, they're in Breslau with their dad. And of course, Simona's mum and dad, uh, they're in kind of their houses down in, in Karlsruhe. And my daughter's across in Fife, and we'd really hoped that she was going to be here, as I said, but, you know, circumstances were such that it couldn't happen. And, uh, you know, it's so many people that just haven't been able to get home and, you know, that have been kind of getting stuck on their own in places, right? But, um, so... This leads me into the Christmas story. <coughs> Long time ago, back in the days of hair, when hair was growing out of my every, every little follicle. Well, the Fugazi album, The Manor. So this was Christmas 1983. And as always, we always did Christmas gigs. It was kind of like, I think it was the manager's bunce money, right? It was kind of like, we always ended up going out on the Marillion Christmas shows. I've still got old sweatshirts somewhere from old Marillion, you know, Christmas gigs. In fact, when I left the band, there was a, there was a Christmas tour scheduled. <laughs> what are you doing for Christmas? We're going, to, we're going on the road. Right. So we were in the manor and we had this Christmas tour booked up. And... We were naughty boys, and what I'm going to talk about, some of you might be going, t -t 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 -t, and okay, fair enough. But we were wild. Um, I don't follow those paths of glory these days. But back then, we were wild. We were wild, wild children. And us all were children, all off their tits. And we were at the manor, and the manor was kind of... It was a buzzy place, and we had a lot of fun. There was... Um, there was a lot of... It was snowing all the time in the manor in Oxfordshire, if you know what I mean. Right. So, we had a Christmas tour. And it was kind of like in the middle of the album kind of vibe. And so... We, what we had to do was the band all went to their respective houses. And I was going to stay in the manor because I didn't have a place to stay at that time. I was, I was basically been in about. And the band, the management, had an office in Victoria. I think I've done some of this story before, but it works better today. So they had an office in Victoria, and we had, like, status quo were on the ground floor, right? And we were kind of on the second floor, and on the third floor there was a, a, a little room that had two kind of... It was like a bunk bed split in two. And I used to stay there sometimes when I was in London because I had, I was homeless. And uh, what was happened? What was to happen was that let's just call him Big G. Uh, Big G was going to be driving the van on the tour, and we were going to be rather than going on a tour bus, we were staying in hotels and travelling about in a van. And I think because we'd been in America earlier on in the year somebody thought it was a great idea to get a Chevrolet van, right? Which are lovely vans. And it was a real kind of, you know, aircraft seats. It had to be aircraft seats 
big leather aircraft seats, really comfortable, blah, blah, blah. And Big G um, came up to uh, the manor to basically take Nick Tauber, the producer, um, back to London. And we had to go and pick up something, right? So the manor, all the girls were there. They'd said, come back up, go down, take Nick down, come back up on Christmas Day, right? And we'll have Christmas in the manor. And I'm going, brilliant. It's going to be goose and like the big table and it's going to be a fantastic Christmas, you know what I mean? In a manor in Oxfordshire, brilliant. Chevrolet van pulls up at the manor, Big G gets out, right? Takes Nick and I back, and we've had a couple of swallies, and Nick wanted to be dropped off uh, at the Marquee Club, which we were quite agreeable to. So we went to the Marquee Club, and Big G wasn't drinking, I was, right? And um, I, th <laughs> I think that was around about the time when uh, I was on a diet and I was trying to stay off the beer. So I decided to drink pints of wine. <laughs> and the marquee sold this wine. It was absolutely both. But it actually worked out cheaper than beer. But drinking the Warringtons, uh, <laughs> you see, after the marquee, if you drank a pint of white wine, it was less calories, but you got pissed a lot faster, right? So for value for money, it was a really good time. So we went into the marquee on Christmas Eve, right? We're Nick and dinner there. And we also had some... Charlie with us, right? And we had a bit of time and we basically said goodbye to Nick and Gary, Big G, um, Big G drove us back to uh, Victoria and um, back to the, the band's office, right? And uh, we went upstairs and the next morning, the, the idea was, right, the plan, the plan, <laughs> the plan was that Big G, right, was to go and pick up A weight of stuff, right? Not for us, not for me and Guy, but for the band and crew. So he was picking up basically all the drugs for the band and crew for the Christmas tour, right? And it was quite a large amount and it wasn't anything you smoked, right? And what Big G said to me in the morning was, I'll go and get it. And he said, look, I'll come back, pick you up. We'll go up to the manor, we'll have a scoot. And then we'll basically pick the guys up. It was kind of like the next day, or what was it, two days' time, pick all the guys up in Aylesbury and off the road we go for the, for the kind of Christmas tour. Whatever. A fantastic plan. And uh, I had a lot of my presents. I'd been sent a lot of presents that had all ended up down at the office and I had them. And it was basically like uh, a bottle of Courvoisier. Uh, then there was a bottle of Remy Martin, then there was a bottle of vodka, a bottle of tequila, and a lot of Jack Daniels. And um, that was what I got for my Christmas. It was a great array of presents, right? All liquid. And uh, so, as I said, the idea was, you know, Gary goes away in the morning, and in the morning he says, bye, right? I'm away, I'm away, go and meet a man. And he buggered off in a Chevrolet van on Christmas Day. Uh, into the depths of the dark, dirty, murky yanks of beyond to pick up a big weight, right? And uh, I waited in the band office. I slept in the bunk till about 12. No Gary. And of course, this is like 1983. There are no mobile phones, right? And I don't know where Gary is. And it's taking longer and longer, right? And by this point, I'm starting to get really, really worried, right? Because I'm thinking, 
if Big G is like, you know, ran into a problem, right, and met somebody from, from the legal profession, then um, he's like, he's nicked. <laughs> he's seriously nicked. <laughs> and, uh, and I'm starting to get a bit paranoid as well, you know. And it was about two o'clock in the afternoon that Gary, Gary, Big G, finally turns up at the office, right? And, uh, <laughs> and he had a puncture. He had a puncture in a Chevrolet van, right, just opposite the 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 Albert Memorial, right, up, up by the Albert Hall. He got a puncture. He'd actually written the tire off, right. And it's like this was just when it was like, you know, why did some stupid idiot get a Chevrolet van? And of course, there was no way he was going to get another tire on Christmas Day for a Chevrolet van. And we were stuck, right? And I think he actually had the balls to call out, uh, call out somebody to help him. And they basically had to park, park the van, leave, leave the van parked up, and he had to walk away. And he walked back from uh, from the Albert Memorial back to the, the, the office in Victoria, carrying a huge weight, <laughs> big weight on his shoulders, big G. <laughs> and we were screwed. And because there was no mobile phones, you, all we could phone up was the manor, and we didn't. Have, I didn't have the correct numbers for the manor and stuff. And then I think we eventually traced it. We just said we can't come up. We, we, there's no way we can get up to the manor. So there we were, me and Big G, stuck in the Marillion Band office <laughs> with 23 grams of high quality cocaine, <laughs> numerous numerous bottles of Jack Daniels <laughs> and brandy, and nothing else. And the TV didn't even have an aerial in it, right? So we couldn't even watch TV. And we were stuck in his bloody office. And we said, we've got to go and eat something. We have to eat something. And the only shop that was open was a wee corner shop where this kind of wee Pakistani guy was in it. And we went down and we bought this <laughs> thing that was identified as a chicken by the sticker on it, right? It didn't... They say everything tastes like chicken. This chicken didn't taste like chicken, right? <laughs> <laughs> and we went, and we got smashed potatoes, <laughs> smashed potatoes and a tin of peas. <laughs> that was our Christmas dinner. Not that we were going to be eating much that day anyway, <laughs> because we were on a diet, special diet. <laughs> and me and Big G went back to the, we were back to the office. If he's watching this, he's gonna, you'll be remembering this, man. Uh, but it was, uh, we were kind of. We went back to the office and we had to go down to the status quo, status quo offices because they, they had a little kitchen down there. So we, we had this thing and ate this chicken-like substance <laughs> with smashed potato and processed peas. <laughs> and I went upstairs and got completely off our faces. <laughs> and all we did was... Oh, the whole day, right? And we were wired to hell, steaming. And all we did was phone up people. We just phoned up. We just thought we were so pissed off, right? And uh, we just spent hours on the phone, phoning up people in America, anywhere in the world we could think, just talking rubbish to the phone to people. And then about, uh, it was about six o'clock at night, seven o'clock at night, the doorbell went in the office. And it was the girls from the manor, right? And they felt so sorry for us that they'd actually made up a little hamper. And they brought a little hamper down for us to, to eat. So we, they, they came all the way down to give us some food. And... Uh, they were really, really sweet. So he had a couple of bottles of wine and did it. Um, <laughs> gave them some of our, our snow. <laughs> and yeah, and that was probably the worst Christmas I ever had in my life. And the thing I remember <coughs> as well 
And I've got a real aversion for this, right? Because there was only, I think, the, all we had was a video. It was a VCR player on the telly. Like I said, there was no aerials. There was no kind of, like, normality. But they had the VCR. So there was Marillion videos, right? And the only other videos that we had was Kate Bush, right? Live at the Hammersmith Odeon. And I think it, it, it might, was it Babushka, right? And every time I hear that bloody song, Babushka, I keep on thinking of me and Big Gina off that Marillion office in 1983. It was like, oh, but, um, but yeah. Oh, cheers from Peru. Yeah. <laughs> Fellini moment there. But yeah, so Big G, I'll never forget that, mate. I swear we fell in love. Yeah. Paul Cavender. Oh, go away, go away, go away. Don't want that, don't want that. Roger Morgan, what about the A-R-A-C? Well, they, they did phone up, but it was the, the wheel was knackered and it was a Chevrolet van. This was 1983, London, right? Chevrolet vans, right? It was about the only shit. It was like the wrong vehicle to be going about driving anywhere, trying to be like, you know, surreptitious, yeah? Yeah, Jack Daniels is never your friend. Actually, I went, I went right off it. it, it about 1987, 88, in fact, it was probably when, when I left the band. And then when I moved up here, I kind of, I kind of shifted away from Jack. It was like, it was, um, but it was, it was such the eighties thing. Everybody, you know, Lemmy, everybody, everybody drank Jack Daniels, you know, Jack Daniels and Coke. I mean, why did that come about? Something to do with Van Halen, no doubt. <laughs> Chris Harris, I was on a special diet. I lost three days. Yeah. A white Christmas with a diet Coke it was in my band. Yeah. Alligator, tastes like chicken. Oh, <coughs> Fernando Varela, Zaloga, da da da, from Chile, hello. Paul Gray, da da, I've got to wind this down because I'm losing it. Oh, Andrew McDonald, happy Christmas from Saudi. Happy Christmas back to you, mate. Uh, Steve Fryer from Shop Shows, Snerolete, KSA, KSA. Yeah, I watched that. I, I actually I made a mistake. I, I, KSA is Carlsruhe Sporting Club. And um, it's, I keep calling them KFC. When I first went across, I get, oh, I've got to see KFC. KFC. <laughs> Carlsruhe fried chicken. Anyway, <laughs> but it was, um, but yeah, I became a kind of fan of the club. And we, Simone and I, used to go along to the games when I was, when I was kind of staying over there regularly. And, uh, and I've always had a, a soft spot for them because they're kind of like hibs. You know, they've got the ability to be totally brilliant and totally crap within the same 90 minutes. And, um, Roger Morgan, what's Christmas for me? Fridge freezer went down. That's a bad one, man. Oh, Dennis Morgan. <coughs> Can't wind this down because I'm losing it all. Marcus Bukiri, Ludenscheid, Jose de las Heras from Edinburgh. <laughs> Lee Ford, Merry Christmas from the Ford family in Zumerset. <laughs> Zumerset. Yeah, it's like England with the rain at the moment. Unbelievable. It's like, you know, we, we were supposed to be two to one to get snow today. Like, you know, real snow. Right? The other snow doesn't come anywhere near this place anymore. Uh, <clears throat> Roddy McLeod, your favourite toy as a boy. Okay. Uh, I just had a thing came into my head just now. A Johnny Seven gun, right? 
a Johnny Seven Gun. Now, how many people out there know about the Johnny Seven Gun? <laughs> the Johnny Seven Gun was probably uh, the toy equivalent of a Bartlett or a Bartlett sniper rifle, right? and that's what it was. What you got, right? It was basically, I think it was, this is like naming the Magnificent Seven, it's like naming the seven things on the Johnny Seven gun, right? And it was like a big green plastic kind of rifle, right? And you had, it fired a single shot, so you could go ping, and you got little white bullets that you could put an actual magazine in it, and it fired these little white bullets. I mean, they, they wouldn't take anybody's eye out, even if they had their eye at the end of the thing, you know what I mean? But it fired these little white bullets, bing, right? Then you could, you had a ratchet that you pull back and then you could, I think you pulled another trigger, right? And that was the machine gun. So it went, right? Then there was a pistol that went underneath, into the breech of the gun. So like, you know, you could pull out and that fired little white bullets as well, right? Always little white bullets, right? So that's one, two, three, right? Then you had, a rocket, there's two rocket launchers at the front, right? They fired like a, they were like little um, Coke bottles, right? but they were little rockets, right? So there's two of them. Then you had a grenade launcher, right? So you could lift that one up. You had the thing that you lifted up and it fired this big green plastic grenade about 10 feet, right? But it was, it was for us, it was a long way, right? And there was something else, something else on the Johnny Seven gun. It must have been another one of these propellant things, right? Oh, maybe it was the bayonet. I think that's what a bayonet is. <laughs> it's a great, huge gun with a bayonet on the end of it. <laughs> really useful. <laughs> Get away me. The Johnny Seven Gun. So that was a favourite toy. I loved, um, I got these, I got a tank. It was a... Uh, I got a tank that could, could fire things. It, was, it wasn't radio controlled. It was on a, a big length of wire and you got a little hand control and you could press the button and it, and it fired stuff. I really like that. And it, you could move it about. Um, train set. I was mad on train sets when I was a kid. And uh, I remember uh, my mum and dad, um, they made up a whole board and painted it all and stuff. So it was like a whole board when I walked into the, the on Christmas Day and there was a big Hornby double, double train set. I loved that. And soldiers, obviously, it was forts and soldiers and things. But it was, uh, darling, what's, what's your favourite? What was your favourite toys? What? A doll. A doll. Yeah. <laughs> That's it, a doll. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it was, um, yeah, there was always, it was, we always had good Christmases. And the best, one of the best things that I got, and I used to love it, and I, I didn't really appreciate it until until I was a bit older, right? But every year, I used to get a subscription to the National Geographic magazine, right? And I was like, oh, subscription to National Geographic magazine, you know? And it would arrive every month. And I, I used to love it when I, when I became, when I was about kind of, around about 10, 11 year old. And I think that's probably where my passion for kind of traveling and, and going around the world came from was reading National Geographic magazine and seeing all these amazing places. And I used to, get, used to keep all the maps. I had all the maps up on the wall. Every issue you got a map or, or, or a great big kind of wall chart. There was either animals or, you know, oceans or something like that. It was fantastic. Wow. James Fraser, Johnny Seven. 
OME. Phil Batten, Johnny Seven in the 60s. Graham Platt, I had a Johnny Seven gun. Grenade launcher was one. Yes, we got the grenade launcher. Keith Albury from Southampton. Sean Mitchell. Action Man, Evil Knievel. Action Man, yeah. I had a Action Man. I used to get... I had a thing about Action Man for... Well, that sounded really, really bad. I had a thing about Action Man for a while. <laughs> <laughs> see, uh, see that wee frog man with the rubber cellar? I used to love that wee man. <laughs> Marlon Nash, hello, darling. Been on one all day. Oh, yeah, thank you. I decided not to wear the, the dungarees because it's like it's Christmas days when I, I dress up and wear a shirt. It's normally... Oh, look, somebody's in a picture. Oh, what? Johnny Seven's on Wikipedia. Johnny Seven's on Wikipedia. The Johnny Seven gun is on Wikipedia. One man... Oh, I missed it. Somebody's in a... Drew Yarden. Yeah, I didn't know that Frank Sinatra was a Jack Daniels guy. I didn't know that. I always thought he was a whiskey guy, you know? John Yuri, did you think back to Johnny Seven when you were writing Fortunes of War? No. Uh, I, lost all the, I lost the grenades and the rocket launchers in about four days, you know. All the wee white bullets, they all disappeared. Phil Atwell, it was a Christmas show, some great nights. Oh, no, it's, oh, the timeline's moving so fast. Kenny Tate, loved living in Africa and, and seeing for real all the stuff from David Attenborough. Yeah, I went to... I went on safari once way back in the 90s. It was incredible, you know. Richard Llewellyn, football, had massive Sabutio set with camera floodlights. Yeah, Sabutio. It was brilliant. There was actually an ad for Sabutio on the telly the other day. I hadn't seen an advert for Sabutio or Subutio. <laughs> Subutio. I can't... What do, you, what do you call it? Do you know Sabutio? Subutio. You know, f table football game where you flick. Kicker. No, no, it's no kicker. That's another one. Nah, maybe I'm sure it's an international one. Tishfussball. Yeah, it was tishfussball. Mm -hmm. Well, not tishfussball. <laughs> Simon Farquhar, Skeletrics and all things Doctor Who for me. What is that's what you got today? <laughs> you got Skeletrics. I still have and Tosh. Oh, I've got to say, it's like. Andy, Tosh and Ian, the, the moderators in the Fish Group pages, thank you very much for the wonderful your job, job you've done all year. Thanks for that, you know. It's uh, so very happy Christmas to you boys, you know. Um, but some... Tosh will remember well his Skeletric night here at the studio. Because what we used to do, I've got... I bought my first Skeletric set. I didn't get Skeletric. Oh, yeah, I did. I had Skeletric when I was a kid. When I was and when I was up to about twelve year old, fourteen year old, and then it was kind of I left it all. I, I've still got some of the really old stuff in the garage in an old suitcase that belonged to my my, my dad's aunt that went to America. One of them really old wooden frame things, right? But again, it was around about the same time. Oh, talking about yeah, Christmas is at Aylesbury. It's uh yeah, when I was in Aylesbury, it was like I was on my own. You know, I had, I, had a, I had a mortgage. Eventually, when I got the house in, what was it, 84? It was, you know, I had, I, had the, I had a mortgage and things. But, you know, but I didn't have anything else to do. You know, I didn't have a wife and a, or children and things like that. You know, the really expensive things, right? So I just bought shit, right? Because I was on my own, right? And I bought a big Skeletric set. And I bought more and more Skeletric. And there was one night in particular... <laughs> <laughs> 
it, this is where it all started. My thing was electric, you know. And uh, in Albert Street in Aylesbury, and I had this big electric set that went all the way around the kitchen and stuff. And there was one night, there was myself and Robin Bolt was a, was across, I think, and uh, and John Otway, right? And I think there was other some old scoundrels were there as well, and we got absolutely wasted, right? And um, <laughs> it's that kind of show, isn't it? But what did you do? Wasted. He was very, very drunk. And I remember John Otway had to go, he had to get a flight to Canada or something the next day, and we ended up getting, I mean, really out of it. And it was, it was so, and it was so bad. And I, oh, that was it, because I'd been to Japan, you know, and I'd come back with a bunch of sake, and we were, we had a sake frenzy, right? a complete sake frenzy. And John was off his head, right? And John Otway's a lovely, lovely guy. I love John, he's a brilliant geezer. He's a, still a good friend. Uh, and um, I remember we were doing stuff like, we were putting brandy onto the track and lighting it and driving the cars through it and getting real, getting real down low, watching the cars go, through the fire, whee, the blue flame, brandy. <laughs> oh. But yeah, it's electric, so yeah. And then when I moved up here and then into the studio, we had enough, had amassed enough electric, and I still have it out in that garage. I think the tracks are all... A bit rusty now, and I probably have to go mental uh, a, a, a bit uh, a bit of sandpaper, you know. But it was, uh, but it, it went basically right round this entire room, and we used to we used to have nights up here getting wasted. <laughs> they say don't drink and drive, but it's fun when you're driving electric cars. <laughs> Josh, you remember that? Yeah, you remember me? That was a great night. There was a, there was a there was a, a, a guy that I knew at the time. He was in a stage agent, <laughs> very very posh estate agent, and uh, he, he came along to, to he came along for a night. He says, "Oh, come down for a electric night. Oh, come down." What a mess he was in, and his wife never let him come back to the house. Right. <laughs> David Mellows, I don't miss. Oh no, I keep the John Lennon's a Jack Daniels named after Frank Sinatra. Oh. Paul Emery, Supertail. Is it Supertail? You can't tell me, can you? Because every time you type it, it just says the same thing. You can't actually pronounce it when you type it. Supertail. Subutial. <laughs> Scotland is Subutial. Cole van der Zalm, the first remote controlled Tamiya lunchbox. Still got it. A Tamiya lunchbox? I don't know what that is. Tamiya, I used to love, I used to love building those Tamiya kits. They were like the ones that you really wanted. You know, I mean, it was like there was Airfix and then there was Tamiya, right? And I actually got, uh, I, th I think that was a Christmas present when I was about 14 or something. And I got a Bell Huey helicopter. It was an AC-2. And uh, and it was the Vietnam helicopter. And I built this beautiful thing with the rotor blades and stuff. It was gorgeous. Lasted about phew, two weeks. <laughs> Fell off the roof. <laughs> Ian Wright, Merry Christmas to the best union family. Thank you. Susan Cohen, love the Atari from 1978. I don't know. Apparently, Super got steam from the Latin sub. Oh no, it's gone. Da, da, da. Sheridan Saint, Lundby dolls houses from the 70s. I'm not a girly, but I have three now. Oh yeah, that's the thing. Yeah. It's, um, I got my daughter Tara plays Skeletic. Tara likes Skeletic. 
Tara's, Tara's actually said quite a few times, she said, Dad, she said, you just kept on, you know, you know, getting trying to get me into, like, boys' things, like your football and stuff like that. You never did gilly things. No, I don't, right? Because Tara, oh, man. It's like, it was just exactly what, what you said about, um, you know, you learn, you learn so much about <laughs> girls' toys, right? And it was like, was it, Bar was it Barbie the pink one? Barbie. Yeah, Barbie. And it was like, so when when we were kind of next door, and it was uh, that was that was the the thing I had to do on Christmas Day, building Barbie stuff, Barbie houses, Barbie cars, and I got a terrible aversion to pink. Right, waking up with a hangover on Christmas Day, having to build up your daughter's Barbie stuff. Right, oh man, it was like being a surgeon, right, a plastic surgeon. Uh, Ronnie McLeod, Fishing Friday t-shirt arrived. Cheers, everyone. All good. I tell you what, talk about luck. Look at the smile on this lady's face. Yeah, we were really, really lucky. I was lucky. <laughs> right. We didn't know about this, right? And we decided, you know, I wanted Simona, I wanted Simona to have a break uh, from the shop and the whole office. The office, is, it's been sealed with tape, right? And uh, so we decided to to bash up the office on the Sunday at midnight, and uh, and we just went. That's it. Sunday to the fifth, right? So uh, it's not open. Don't send any emails or anything to us, you know, on the the, the office because nobody's gone through there. But we shut it on the Sunday, and on was it? We got all the all the packages. Right, everything was gone. Simona managed to do everything and get it all out the door by Monday. So it all hit the post. The decks were cleared, right, on Monday and on Tuesday morning. Apart from two. Apart from two. And one of them was one of them was a German one. Yeah. Right. That you've sorted out. But it was uh we it was suddenly on the, 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 the kind of on the on the computer. It suddenly when someone was trying to put this order on the Tuesday across the click and drop it went, unable to do this. And we hadn't had an email or anything, and I'd, I'd missed it. It seemed like it was on the news in the in the morning, so I missed it completely. But Royal Mail shut down all packages, and uh, it was like, <laughs> and um, we, it was, I was, we were just so glad that we weren't caught up in that mess, because suddenly there was, it was because we'd stopped taking orders, there was nothing to process, and um, so yeah, so Royal Mail shut it all down. We were real lucky with that one. That was, uh, but it's been just crazy. And now we're opening up on the 5th, but we don't know what's going to happen with, with the Brexit stuff. We've got to work all that out in the next week. So, bang! It's Christmas Day. Fuck it. Sub-U-T-O. 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 Susan Cohen, what is Subutio? Subutio. <laughs> it is a thing of a secret organization of people who play with their fingers. It's a, basically Subutio, right? Is it's a table football game, and you get a player that's got like a little half circle, and the player's a little miniature player about. I can't do that with the fingers. No, I said that. Said that big. <laughs> <laughs> they're only about uh, about oh, 
three quarters of an inch high, the players, and you, you, they're made it of plastic, and they sit on this little dais thing. And you flick it, and the trick is that when you flick it with your finger, you can you can bend the the kind of little dais thing that it's on round, and it, you kick a plastic ball, and there's two sets of plastic goals. You've got 11 little plastic players right on each side and a keeper that's on a stick and you basically flick the players and when you get the ball, you try and flick the player to hit the, the ball into the net. Sounds really simple. It's really difficult. And like I've played against... I actually did competitions when I was in the boys' brigade and we played against some serious, serious guys, you know, and it was like... Right? And um, it was a whole thing in the 70s. It was a massive thing in the 70s. And I used to paint the players, and I used to I used to buy um, like Leeds United. You, you, you basically you buy you bought a little box of players, the eleven players, of the keeper. And if you bought the Leeds United one, what you could do because I used to paint toy soldiers because it was a war gamer as well. That's another kettle of fish, right? But I used to paint them up in all the different strips, and I used to have all the leagues and things. And then this is going to set something off as well. And I used to have leagues, and I used to type out. Um, uh, I used to type out all the schedules for all the all the teams, and I used to, you know, and every every couple of days I had to so and so had to play, and basically I played the game myself, right? That's how sad it was. I played Subutio, 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 by myself in the attic in the house, and I used to like do it, and I used to mark all, the, you know, who won what. Right? Hibs always won every time we won the European Cup, we won the Scottish Cup every time it was played. It was fantastic, right? But yeah. And I had loads and loads of um, loads and loads of teams. I mean, but thing was, you were always breaking them, right? Because it was like you know, because you, you, the the pitch, by the way, was a piece of felt, right? It was or a piece of cloth that was marked out, obviously, in a football pitch, right? And um, to get that on the right surface was difficult, right? But um, but the thing was, that you were always going about your hand, and you kept on break breaking players, and you're all continually gluing them, and then you could discover that you could actually like affect if say for example one of the players legs broke right you could actually put a little bit more glue on one side and he would have he would become you'd have like a left winger right by putting the glue a little bit heavy on one side and you could bend them around right i'm not going any more down that route because it's too anal right more wine it's um 27 27 on christmas day right? Graham Thompson, Merry Christmas, mate. Robert Wally, Flick Football, Ray Lambert, Susurio, Susbutio. Oh, yeah, Andy Lennon. Listen, just, you all, you all know it because you're on Facebook anyway. There's some arseholes out there, right? And the, how much was the, the Weltschmerz vinyl? Right? For, no, there was one for a hundred and something quid. Oh, it's coming in February. We will get it through. I'm just waiting on a truck. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Let's not even think about that one, Dan. Our truck is a special truck. Our truck has wings. Our truck with the albums will fly over all the other trucks and doesn't need a ferry. It doesn't need a ferry. He doesn't need to be tested for COVID. He can come straight up to the studio and drop all the albums off and we can send them all out to you. But yeah, so that's, that, that's a... It's work, don't it, Mark? <laughs> Carlos Aldebaran, good morning. <laughs> Terence Quinlan, need a big table for Subutio. Subutio. Hakan Axelson, 
The Eurasian hobby, a falcon is called, oh, I don't know, I don't get that one. BBs, I've actually still got my BB hat somewhere. My, my, the little, the round one, right? I've got a, yeah, I've got a boys brigade hat somewhere. I was in the boys brigade for a bit. Scouts weren't really my thing. I kind of thought the boys brigade were a bit more military, but I didn't realize there was a lot of hymn singing involved. Right? The march and all, I quite liked. Oh. We had to do that before we got to play Subutio upstairs. You had to go and march about in the hall and do all these march informations and in and out and da 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 Then you got to play Subutio. Uh... Brian Wilde used to do the same thing with, you used to do the same thing with Israel. Yeah, there's, I found loads of guys that did that. And they'd create their own leagues and cups and things, like, and just play by themselves, you know, just like flick the ball and da da da, and goal, I scored, look at me. And, oh. Oh, yeah, Sabutio. There, there was another one that came up, but you pressed the striker's head and he kicked the ball. Nah, that's not right. It's like, that just takes all skill out of it. Kenny Tate, have you heard of Leib Kutchen stars, that one? Leib cooking stars. Jens Wilderman, Subideo is cool. Excuse me. Roger Harvey, my Subideo teams were called after the street you lived in. I lived in Hoy Lake Drive, Hoy Lake Rovers. <laughs> Hoy Lake Rovers. That's something out of his. <laughs> Simon Farquhar, did you get the Prezi? I did. I'm trying to think. Yes. Thank you very much, Simon. Thank you very much. <laughs> but I said, I said to, to, to Tosh, it's like, um, I don't know, da -da -da. Simon Reeves, yeah, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> Patrick Caulfield, A.T. Wheeler, Kim Teller, liar, liar. Tim Sikimore, you're the snow again. No, no. I tell you, it's like, I made a joke about it, but it's like, you know, that, it was, a, it's, it's, uh, my coke days are well, well, well and truly over. It's like, you know, I left that a long, a long time ago. It was a, it's a very evil, sneaky drug that is. Well, made and lost a lot of friends on that, you know. Yeah, I mean, don't for one minute think that I'm kind of, you know, when I tell you when I tell you some of the stories of the old days that like, um, it's uh, <laughs> some of those things were like they did a bit of damage uh, to a lot of people. Maybe the fairies can help with the deliveries. Yes, Tuso de Martini, I built Airfix gear models. Yeah, Airfix kits. Right, every guy, every kid built Airfix kits, Spitfires and measurements. And once you build them, you did it as well. Yeah, it was my brother. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> You're in a comb over there, aren't you? <laughs> yeah, Airfix kids. But as every guy will tell you, this, I don't know, there's something about it. It's like you end up putting them on bits of string and trying to make them fly. You know what I mean? I, I, I did the bit about, you know, you, you hang them in your bedroom, so like you hang the stukas and stuff like that. You, you hang them in the bedroom on thread from the ceiling and things. But then you, there's something goes, this thing clicks off and fire, fire. And then 
you end up putting them on string and torching them so that you're going, meh, and there's bits of burning plastic flying everywhere. And um, I don't know, every guy I know have set fire at airfix kits once they built them into things. You never kept them for long. There was this thing, you had to burn them, right? Maybe it was just me. <laughs> James Moody, first Thurzo BBs. Ah, there's a nice, there's a question and I missed it, I've missed it. Somebody asked me about, somebody asked me about the photograph. It was in the, it's in the back of the deluxe book. And it's, um, I'm on a, it's a beach and I'm sitting on a wreck, right? And yeah, it was a really cool photo. It was taken quite a while back. It's, just, it's not a recent one. But that is um, uh, Gullen, is it Gullen Bay? No, Gullen Bay. Um, oh, Aberlady Bay, right? And, and Aberlady Bay, which is in East Lothian, right? The water, is, is, it goes out for a long, long way, right? So when the tide goes out, there is a vast expanse of sand. And... If you get your timing right, uh, there are two midget submarines out there. There were British midget submarines, and they'd been, uh, they were from the Second World War, and when they were brought back, they were, act they were, they were still active and working, but they were used for sh uh, sh uh, target practice, for shell practice for the, for the Royal Navy. And, uh, and the, two, the two wrecks are out on, on the bay, and that's where we went out. And if you go out there, if, if, if you manage to go with the tide, so when the tide's going out, you're, you're moving with the tide, you can walk right the way out, and it's incredible. It's, it's like being in, in a very watery desert, you know? And it just goes out and out and out and out, and then there's these two really beautiful little monoliths that kind of sit there. And that's where that photograph was taken. So if you're ever visiting Slothian and you're looking for something exciting to do, then go for a walk on Everlady Beach and try and make sure you get back before the tide comes in. <laughs> Stephen Donald, did you like the gift my wife sent? Yeah, thank you very much. Those are the little um, the wee smelly things for the tree and stuff. They were quite cool. So someone has got them. You've got them. I've got them and I wanted to hang them on the oh. yeah, I just thought I didn't have, yeah. yeah, we ran out of branches. Yeah. No. <laughs> is it good? You're going to do trifle time, isn't it? You want, or do you want to leave it till after? Because yeah, you're going to tell them how you made the trifle. Easy peasy. Easy peasy. <laughs> the trifle recipe. Uh. David Napier, America's was Dundee, thanks. JD Waters, building models, yes. Hung mine from bedroom ceiling, the wind boil. Uh. John Yuri, Ron Williams once said, cocaine is God's way of telling you you're making too much money, yes. I think as a, some, I love Robin Williams' skit on Coke was uh, incredible. I think it was uh, one of his live shows from uh, from it was the Met, I think, in New York, and he does this brilliant thing about Coke. It's just when the, the first time I saw it, I just went, "Oh God!" You know, <laughs> I, was in, I was in stitches because it was like, I mean, it, it was the eighties. It was a thing in the eighties. Uh, 
Michael Simmons, after hanging after hanging Airflix planes, they were always filled with newspapers set alight and hurled out of the bedroom window. It's not just me. Good, Tim. Brian Weld, Airfix warship models pushed on fire down the local stream. <laughs> oh, yeah, in the States, they were... Uh, yeah, I missed... Sorry, I missed your name. Yeah, Revel. Yeah, Revel was kind of the American version of Airfix and stuff. Darren Wells, Lego, great toy. That's another thing. So when you realise just how expensive Lego is when you have a child. There's <laughs> a Lego thing, darling. How much was it? £60 for Starship. Fucking Enterprise. Crap. Miko Rebka, Mary Old from Finland. Rob Hurst, plastic model airplane kits that you make. Uh. Kevin Towes, happy Christmas, mate. <laughs> Tony Murray, no, it wasn't just you. Airfix and lighter fluid. That was it, lighter fluid. That was the one that, that really made it lighter fluid. Because it was kind of like the pedal in the tank. So when the machine gun bullets hit in your imagination, that play went... <sighs> Let's throw burning plastic over all your friends. Oh. Rico Anker used to blow up his Playmobil soldiers with firecrackers. There's a whole, this is there's a whole psychiatric clinic I've been activated out there. Oh, I used to do that. I used to kill them. I used to burn down buildings. Marina Buru is tri is trifle a thing in Germany? No, no, no. No, no, no. Will we show them the, tri the trifle? Well, it's like, this is we can't do like you know what's for dinner for tea tonight, Simona, because we've had it, right? But we've not had dessert, so it's. What's for dessert tonight, Simona? Shall I bring the camera through? I'll take the camera through. That's the best way to do it. Oh, oh yeah, that's the... Oh. No, no, come through. It's easier. It's easier. And then you can put some on a plate and then you can show what the innards are like. Um, put it in where? <laughs> <laughs> we, could, we could always throw it about the place and have fun, like in Tommy. This... For those European people that probably don't know anything about this, this is a trifle. It's... That is at least one, maybe two belt holes, right? Mm. My mum used to make this every year, right? And it's a family tradition and it's been passed down. And the first time Simona ever had it was when she came across and... My mum, mum, mum and dad, when they used to come up up to the studio, because they always used to come up to us for Christmas dinner. Right? And my mum always brought up the trifle, and she taught Simona the magic of trifle. So, Simona, please. There's nothing really much to say. <laughs> there, what's let's, in it? Let's, 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 just, let's carve it up and get some in a bowl. Which bowl do you want? What's in it, darling? Um, 
don't know what you call them. Bis biscuits. Sponge fingers. Sponge fingers. Yeah, but they are softer here. The, the ones in Germany, they are very dry. So they are soft sponge fingers. And you cut them in halves. Then you put jam in it. Put them in the bowl. Then on... Oh, no. Then you, you cover it or drown it in... What's it called? Sherry. Sherry. And <laughs> put, put the pears... Lots of sherry, lots of lots of lots of sherry. Yeah, and then um, custard, which mm. is vanilla pudding mm. and cream. Yeah. That's it. So here we go. This is the, this is here we go. Hmm. A heart attack on a plate. That's it. Mm. And maybe a bit more sherry on top. <laughs> bit more sherry on the top so mums bring it to her you take it to her yeah right. mum's still awake da 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 mum do you want to say a quick hello Oh, she's in bed. Mum's in bed. That's it. So, it's about time for some music. John Watson, Lock Custard Drive. I love custard, man. Oh, custard's a thing. Kevin Randall used to hang oh Mr. Keep on I'll go away. <laughs> John Smith, Ladyfingers. Esther Pujol Rodriguez, Kirsch. Yes. Tusa de Martini Sherry is good. <laughs> Terrace Quinlan, that is a bad boy trifle. Yeah, it is. It's it's just it's the it's the end of thing. It's like you know you get the carpet, the big turkey carpet. I just oh, I did I did some hassle back potatoes. It didn't quite go quite hassle back potatoes roasties, but man oh man they were so crunchy. They were I was I was I was on fire today. Like I got the turkey. I, I I'm really I get very quite I get quite anal about turkeys and things. Like quite anal about turkeys for our for our missus. It's like matting is 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 doing the turkey. It's um, uh, it, I don't. It's just that I, I I like doing it. I, I like this. There's something about the challenge of doing Christmas dinner that I love. You know, and I I plan it all out the, the day before <laughs> with no Chevrolet vans involved. <laughs> but yeah, so I got my turkey this year from. Normally, I'd, I'd get it from Colin Pete's. And Colin's a lovely guy. He's now retired. He's a butcher in Harrington. And this was the very first time that I ever got a, a turkey from, from that wasn't Colin Pete's. And I'd, I'd gone down to... Because when we rehearsed down at Overhills Farm, it's very close to East Linton. And um, I was told about this butcher's by, by an old friend. And um, I went down, and, and when we were working over Overhills, I used to pop in and, and often buying the mince and stuff for, to bring back to the house so that we could cook for the band at night after, after rehearsals. 
And um, and I thought, well, this year we'll get the turkey off them. And oh man, the turkey was stunning. And um, it was a. Uh, but it was weird this year as well because we did the turkey and then with Liam being vegan, we did the nut roast stuff and we did a whole other things on the side for, for him. And all the vegetables were all done without butter this year. They were all done with margarine. So it was, uh, it was different. But the turkey was just like... Uh, uh, I think it was a Bardeen. I can't remember. When it, it was from Alloa, a place in Alloa. And it was it just... I, I just... I was on fire today with it. it I just got everything... Right, I normally always forget something, like the bread sauce, or forget to do this, or forget to put the chipolatas in, or something. And it would just all keep together. Simona was brilliant. She got all the veg stuff. Mum did the Brussels sprouts. I peeled the tatties, da da da. But the Hasselbacks, the tatties, they, and they were the, the the ones that I planted in the garden earlier last uh, last year, earlier this year. And um, they were the, oh, what were they? The Red Roosters. They were red rooster tatties, and I picked the ones that were just the right size, parboiled them, got them out, cut them with a knife, put the olive oil on them, and I just cooked them, I just parboiled them just a little bit too much, and then I let them cool, right? And when they cooled, the surface of the skin kind of broke off a little bit, you know, so it got a bit flaky on the outside. Olive oil, I cut it with a knife, pulled the, the knife across and put the slits in the top of the potato, put the olive oil on, Bit of um, Himalayan sea salt or Himalayan salt and um, Himalayan sea salt. <laughs> oh, I buy your Himalayan sea salt here. There's all loads of seas in Himalayas. So um, <laughs> my Himalayan salt, and I just I just got it right on the on the bun, and they went so crunchy. And because all the the the, the ties had cooled a little bit, then they, they were a little bit kind of just slightly fluffy on the outside. And normally to do that, you got to put them in the in the the the, the colander and give them a rustle to kind of break up but this these just went bang and the timing everything fell right on the road the brussels sprouts were like just crunchy enough everything was just like bam and uh nailed it but like i said the previous night i sit there and i go through all the timings i got a, i got a delia smith the delia smith christmas book christmas cookbook it's kind of that's that's my guide that's my guide and everything else is all done you know judging it by like taking the temperature of the bird in the oven and stuff like that and um so i planned the whole thing out so and i got all the timings and it was like well, i've got to do fishing friday at six o'clock <laughs> so i'm gonna get back and then i was late today we didn't get up till 12 right and then i had you know a bit of drama to deal with and then it was like and um and then someone and i were at it you know we were kind of you know, hammering tongs in the kitchen, getting everything sorted out. And we just, and everything just went bang, bang, bam. And it was about, it was just before four. Everything just fell into place. Like, you know, you know, you know. And yes, mum, my mum is okay. She's fine. She's just like, she's, uh, like I said, had a glass of champagne and a huge meal. And um, she's she through there with the, the chocolates. Hmm? Yes. It's okay. She loves it. Yeah, loves a trifle. Now, there's the thing. You know when you've got the perfect wife, when your wife can make a trifle that their mother-in-law taught her how to make and the mother-in-law gives it the big thumbs up. Yeah. Rock on. Yes, these are hard ones. These are... No, no, no. This is... <laughs> Yeah.
Have you got the cloth, please? I'm trying to open a bottle of bloody Prosecco. That's what I'm doing here. Franz Sandler's, how you dying? How you dying? Michael Schneider, how you doing? Richard Hall with Christmas dinner, let's see the Veltschmerz. Good God. Victoria Acker, Tony Kyle Harrison, how you doing? John Watson, Christmas dinner with your brother, cool man. Miles, all right. Duke Parson, long time since I had a butter bean turkey. Was it, was it butter bean? It might have been butter bean for him. Oh, Simon Ashley, air fix on oh, the air rifle. Yeah, setting the light and with the air rifle. You did using goose fat, Martin Kennedy. I'd, again, the bird that we got today, there was hardly any fat in it. It was incredible. Oh, come on. Come on. <laughs> Darling. Thank you. Uh, we're saving up all the corks from all the Prosecco bottles and things that we have, you know. Because I think we're eventually going to build a raft so when the great flood comes and uh, I'll do a Noah thing and build an entire house out of you know, Prosecco corks. Jude right, happy Christmas. <laughs> Turkey and fish in the same day, yeah. <coughs> Haxan Axelson, I had no idea Hasselback potatoes were well known outside Sweden. Yeah, it was my daughter. It was it was Tara that that, that kind of reduced us to that. She, was, she she showed us how to do it, and I love them. They're great. Esther Pujol Rodriguez, you're too late. I opened the bottle. Dig Patterson, use a sword. Remember that. Oh, where was that? There was the university it town in Poland. Poland yeah, it was a it was a first anniversary in Poland. Bit goshed. We were. In, is that is that the one? Yeah. Yeah. That's the one. This is a, this is the cock from. Uh, our, this is the cock from our first anniversary in Nevada. We went to an amazing restaurant. Um, and, uh, and, and like I said, in Bitgosh, and it was a beautiful place. And we had, it was one of the best meals we ever had together. Yeah. Remember, remember restaurants? <laughs> remember restaurants and people and, you know, waiters and things like that? Uh, yeah. So, it was the first anniversary, and it was a, it was a, a tasting menu, it was a, and it was like about 14 courses. It was brilliant. Everything was always small bits. And... We got um, a, a bottle of... Uh, we didn't, yeah. It was a bottle of champagne, wasn't it? Was the champagne sparkling wine? Yeah. Anyway. And we didn't buy any wine, remember, because we got the taste. We, we got... Oh, yeah. That was it. Special alcohol, especially for what we got served. You were so crusty that. <laughs> yeah, every individual kind of... Every course had its own wine that came with it. And it was kind of wreck it. I'm house recommended wine to, to for that particular it was just great it was just a fantastic night and this cork you can see the glass in it because what happened was the waiter actually took the cork 
off the champagne bottle with a sword. And I'd never seen that done before. It was just incredible. And he just took the sword, poof, you know, poof. That was it. Bam, bottle of champagne, there you go. Because yeah. I'm a singer, going like, oh, who's there any glass in there? <laughs> oh, um, uh, John Smith, thank you very much. This was a box you got me, John. This is the, this is the, 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 the remote control box. It's, um, which is useful for the big remote controls. But the little ones, the little ones go in there and you can't find them. They go into the black and you can't see them because they're black. And it's like, I know what's going to happen. I'm going to put the black remote controls in here. And I'm going to spend 20 minutes shouting my head off, trying to find the remote control. And I've realised it's maybe in this box, which maybe was. Oh, virtual cracker. Crackers. I hate them. You still... It's seemingly a Victorian thing. It was the, the Victorians did it, and like, and you can get some. You know, very rich people can get some some incredible, you know, little crackers that um, they're uh, you know, got very expensive little trinkets and stuff in there, right? But this is a this is a, a, a cracker. So it's a virtual. I didn't do my my one at the time because I was cooking. Left Let's hand. see if it cracks. Left hand. <laughs> left hand. Why? Because. Because you're left-handed. That's the intuition. What? Well, oh, story of my life. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> what is it? Can I it? Oh. Here we go. This is, this is, I mean, this, I mean, they're, they're cheap crackers, but I mean, this gag's, What's white and goes up? A confused snowflake. Uh? That's it. <laughs> what? What's white and goes up? A confused snowflake. <laughs> it's like, well, the crackers are only a quid for 12. This is the kind of gags you're going to get. <laughs> oh. And then you get, oh, what have I got? Uh... Oh, charades, charades. Oh, it's a tongue twister here. If two witches were watching two watches, which witch would watch which witch? Which watch? Hum that tune. Twinkle, twinkle, little star. I used that on an album. That's on 13 Star. Yeah, right at the end of 13 Star. Look at that. That's how Fellini. Do you want this program to be today? Yeah, because we used it at the end, and I think we're a. a, a I think we're the, there was an issue with the, the usual story. If you use too much, you had to credit publishing, and you also get a. Oh, and you get a Sudoku. That's it. It's a bit of cardboard. So, is that it? Is that what you get? Oh. <laughs> And it had to be maroon, didn't it? <laughs> Mama, the blue one. This is this is really good. These are. <laughs> oh, this is it. So you, a wee bang, bit of carbon, a crap joke in it. Had a coon. Arse! 
Rainer Schiffel, thank you very much. Sid Corkin. Female, you make your own crackers. Yeah, they're a Victorian thing. I just, I don't know. It's like they, they always come across as being a real... Uh, maybe I'm a, I can be a real kind of scroogey bastard. You know, I'm a bit cynical about all that. But I mean, that whole thing about, um, you know, with the crackers, it's like Christmas. That's one of the things that we've actually found this year. It's like, it's, I think because we haven't been shopping, everything that, that we got was kind of, everything we bought for each other was, was pretty much, we bought online and, you know, and, you know, I, I missed the, the, the Edinburgh Christmas market, which was a place where, you know, I used to go and get a lot of things because it was German and it was great. So Simone and I go out and glue wine and things. <laughs> but, uh, but, yeah, but, I don't know, it's, we, it's, it's just been a less... We, it's, it's, it's been quiet. And I, I don't mean that quiet in just in terms of people, but, I mean, I think just our... Normal activity is, you know, it's kind of, it, it, it's uh, maybe because we've just been working so hard that, you know, kind of Christmas suddenly came at us and it was, uh, and but we've had a really nice day. You know, like I said, my mum, Liam, Simone, and I, you know, like I said, I missed the family, but you know, this has been a lovely Christmas, but it's been, I don't know, it's less, less gift orientated and, and commercialized and stuff. I mean, there was a, you know, it's a weird one, isn't it? Really weird one this year. George Saltis. George B. Saltis. Hello, man. Cleveland. How are you keeping, man? Big boy. Erwin Lee Sargent. Join you with a 30-year-old Glenn Livett. Best way. Jacek Gallas from Bielski Biala. Yes. Yotiro Yoda. Per Anderson. Oh, no. I've lost it again. There was an interesting one. Mark Skinner, I had exactly the same joke in mind. Sure you'll make a lyric out of it. <laughs> <laughs> an album, mate. That's an epic. The Confused... The Confused Snowflake. <laughs> it's a good name for a band. Please welcome on stage, The Confused Snowflakes. Right. <coughs> I know. A song. It's interesting because, you know, my mum was, was talking away, especially after she had the glass of champagne. <laughs> she was talking a lot. Uh, oh, what's happened there? Oh, what's happened there? I didn't want to go there. Da -da -da -da. Something got clicked accidentally. Oh, no, 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 no. What's happened? I'm on. Lost all the comments. Yeah, I lost the comments. Do -do -do -do. Yeah, I think so. Come on, come on. 
Yeah. Got it. Oh, have I got it? Have I got it? Have I got it? Right. I picked the song today because I thought rather than I didn't want to go down in, in certain areas and you know on Christmas Day, so I thought would I play something an old favourite, an old chestnut after Christmas Day. Um, I've done this this story before. Well, I've, I've I've kind of went into it. <coughs> back in the days when we were. Um, I'm getting really worried about this because I'm worried I'll take it off. Yeah. Because yeah. it's like the sort of thing you end up with. Big red dye. Some some, some toxic colouring on a bald head. Well, kill it. It was, a, it was a Christmas party, cat killed Constable. <laughs> it was the dye from it seeped in his brain, rotted it, and he fell over and died. Yeah. I've done this before, but I was kind of prompted by what my mum was talking about today, right? And it was, um, I talked about the old houses and we were talking about the house next door that I used to live in before I moved into this wonderful place. And um, I used to have a piano next door, right? And this, the piano, it was a, what do you call it? Um, a pianola. And... A pianola was, it was a standard piano, but what you also had was the innards of it were a bunch of pipes and gaskets and stuff. And you could basically, uh, you put rolls of music into this compartment and it had um, a sequence, all the rolls had the notes planned out as little holes in this piece of paper. And what happened was that as the roll went round inside the tunnels of this machine, the the pins that were on it activated, were activated by the holes in the paperwork. I'm explaining this really, really badly. Anyway, you put the roll of paper in and the little pins come out and basically it played the piano. So all you had to do was basically put the roll on the, on the put the roll inside. It was a little glass door that you opened up you put the roll in, you brought the roller down, you fed it through the thing onto this, this there's a brass canister that had the, the, the pins that came through the, the, the bits that activated the notes. And what you did was you pedaled with your feet. So you pedaled with your feet and the roller took this roll of paper that had a song on it that was made up of all these holes that activated the pins that played the notes, right? And it was fantastic. You could really impress people at parties going, I'm just going over here to have a little go at the piano. Oh, here we go. Wow. I never knew you could play the piano. Yeah, I'm an expert, man. Hey, look at my fingers. Play with no hands. And it was great until it broke. And, um, and it used to, this piano I first got, and it was in my house in Gerard's Cross in Daleside, Simon. And... Um, I was given it by a friend of the family called Eric Adair and he gave me this piano and he, I've got all the rolls and I still have about 40 rolls of paper that all work, 40 pianolo rolls, loads of different types of stuff, right? And uh, the problem was that I got the piano into Gerald's Cross and um, 
it was great and it was a lot of fun, like I said, at parties. You know, kidding on, you could play piano and stuff. But, uh, but these pianos, the pianolos, pianolas, were designed for old-fashioned houses that were kind of in coal-fired houses. And they weren't meant to be in centrally heated houses. So what happened, right, was it through the years, right, as it, was, it came from down there and moved up to the house next door, Basically, all the gaskets all kind of dried out and things, and it was going to take a hell of a lot of work, and it was going to be an incredibly expensive undertaking. And what I had was a very wonderful piece of furniture. It, you could play as a piano, but the thing was so badly out of tune. I mean, it was like there was notes flying. But that piano, right, that piano was the one that I had in Gerald's Cross. And the piano now, right, it came in here for a bit, Right, but it took up so much space, and it now resides in the Tyneside Tavern. Now, just so I can, I can see some of you thinking, that's something I've got to do. Right, that piano is a piece of furniture, a very lovely piece of furniture at the back of the Tyneside Tavern in Harrington, and Paul Kinnock has had it for years. It's been in that bar for years now, and that piano was the piano that Mark Kelly and I sat down and tried to work out the company on. And the reason that that all happened was that when we were writing, the Marillion boys, right, who I must congratulate on winning Band of the Year 2020, what they did in 2020, I don't quite know, <laughs> but they won Band of the Year, so congratulations, boys. And, uh, so, that piano was down there. The Marillion boys were complaining about my lyrics. They didn't like Vigil, they didn't like what I was writing about. Blah, blah, blah. And I was writing, it was too political, it was too Scottish, it was uh, then and there. And I was basically, I, I was allegedly not writing any lyrics that were suitable for Maroon albums. And um, I was, Bob Ezrin, I've, like I said, I've told this story before, but Bob Ezrin was to be the producer of the album that never was, right? Which I was going, wow, brilliant. I mean, not only Floyd the Wall, but for me it was like Alice Cooper, and I knew he was a lyric boy. I mean, Alice writes incredible lyrics, right? And it was when Floyd were in town. Floyd were playing in, at, at Wembley, right? Uh, <laughs> I'd got tickets, the other four didn't. And, um, uh, and I, was, I was staying down there, so it was kind of, you will go and meet Bob Ezrin, because Bob Ezrin wants to talk to you about your lyrics. Right? And I'm going, great, wonderful, right? And at that time, we weren't really getting on. I mean, we, weren't, we didn't kick about together like we used to, you know. We were all... You know, everybody had their own kind of little worlds and I had mine. And I was sent down to meet Bob Ezrin to basically uh, to be beaten into shape. <laughs> and I don't know what had been said, right? But I went down to this house in Made Vale and the house actually belonged to Dave Gilmore. And, um, and um, I was taken into the door by, by a person who was brought me through to meet Bob Ezrin, who was sitting at this incredible piano. And it was marble. And it had come off an old liner. But Dave, Dave Gilmore had got this, this old piano on. It was gorgeous, right? And we had this talk, and it was like, you know, I'm going, this is Bob Ezrin, well, and we got on really well, right? And he said, show me your lyric book. Right? He was like, been at school, show me your lyric book. So, and I said, yeah, this is his visual. He said, yeah, this is, this is him. Do you see any problem with this? He said, I was told that, like, you know, you know, you, you weren't kind of writing anything. And I said, yeah. And he said, well, I'm, I'm going to give you a challenge. He said, what I want you to do is I want you to go away 
and I want you to, to write a, a drinking song. Because it's like, obviously, he'd been told that it was like, you know, I was kind of out of, on the edge vibe. You know what I mean? It was like, oh, well, he's drinking too much. And like, da-da-da. And he, he, he'd immediately got in his head, well, he can write, write a drinking song, and that'll get him focused. Right? There was no problem. I didn't have any assholes at that time at all. So he said, I want you to write a song. And he said, I want you to like a drinking song. And he said, oh, well, go for Bird on a Wire by Leonard Cohen. He said, I want you to write a lyric like Bird on a Wire, right? Which is a fantastic song. It's one of, it's one of my favourite songs. It's a great song, great writer. And, uh, and the gauntlet was thrown. And, uh, and I went, OK. And I w went back up the road. And I started to, to, to put together... This lyric, and it was like where, where beggars seek checks and children steal credit cards from the pockets of wrecks that lie in the road. And it was bang. And, and, and I knew I had to get a kind of, I wanted to get a kind of sing-along verse and stuff. And uh, it was, um, you know, oh, boys, would you drink to me now? I thought, that's good. That's a good thing. <laughs> Here on the hill, halfway up, halfway down. And I got Mark Kelly down. And I said to Mark, I said, let's, let's work on this. Let's, let's put this together, just you and me and piano. And Mark came down, and he was playing. He was trying to play on this this really old piano, and uh, this old pianola, right? And uh, and we couldn't get it. He couldn't get it together. He just. He, and I thought because he was, you know, he's got Irish blood in him. I thought Mark would kind of pick up on this. And uh, it didn't work. And I think he was only in the house for about three hours, and it was like, well, I've got to go, right? And off he went. And the song sat there in a lyric book until Mickey Simmons came along. And here is a story of two, two pianos. And this will be interesting, because I think I've said this to you again before. Um, I met Mickey Simmons, played, with Mickey, uh, played squash with Mickey Simmons and Mike Oldfield, because Mickey Simmons was Mike Oldfield's keyboard player. He came along to the Pete Townsend gig. There was, I really like Mickey as a person. And he is, he's a lovely guy, very funny guy. And um, Mickey and I got together, and the first thing Mickey did was sell me a bloody piano. <laughs> and the piano he sold me was a helping stool. Um, again, excuse me if I'm, I'm going over uh, you know, ground I've gone over before. Helping stool piano was invented in the kind of in the sixties. I mean, the problem was that when the, the, the when touring bands went out and they had. Like for example, Elton John or whatever, Stevie Wonder, people like that, when they went out, they had to get a piano that had to be tuned every day and it was a huge expensive item on a rider or as a show cost. And people want, it was impossible to turn, you know, unless you were like Emerson and Palmer had three separate Arctics, right? It was impossible to kind of, you know, take Steinways or anything like that on, on the road, you know? And, you know, on top of that, load-ins and load-outs, et cetera. So this guy helping still, and if you actually go on Wikipedia, you can you can find out about him. And he came up with this uh, an iron framed piano that was transport easily transportable, and it went in a flight case. And you had the keyboard which came out the, the front of the, the, the actual piano, and then you had the, the, the frame with the strings on it and the things, and then the legs all separate. And it was in basically two humongous fucking flight cases, right? Which is equivalent of like carrying a Mellotron upstairs for the crew. And this helping still never ever went on the road out on the road with us ever. The crew just went, don't even ask, don't even ask us to take that out. And um, 
but they're helping still Mickey sold me and it used to belong to Chaz and Dave and Mickey bought it off Chaz and Dave and this piano has got it's had, a, had a fiberglass top a black fiberglass top right and but the thing was it on the fiberglass on the edges they were kind of like beveled so it was like a flat top and then there was little edges went down right which was always a bloody nightmare because I used to have it in the room in Gerald's Cross and every time we're at a party or people around, everybody would always come up with a glass of wine or whatever and put it on the edge of the piano where the beveled slope was and it'd be ching, <laughs> But this fiberglass top actually had the fag burns of the cigarettes of Chaz and Dave, right, when they were playing in the bars and stuff. Because they played, you know, because it, it was like a half piano. I mean, I'm not a musician, so right? forgive me if I trespass into areas. But, um, but yeah, it was like a kind of... It was like a... a, a, a Baby Grand, and it's got it had DIs in it, which you had direct inputs, which means you could put, you could actually wire the piano into your into the the, the desk or into the the sound box, right? And you could also put an overhead mic on it, which was fantastic. So you had the kind of ambience, the kind of acoustic-y play of the piano, and you had the, the the DIs, which were picking up the. So it was a, it was a great thing, and he sold it to me for about four hundred and fifty quid, right? And that was the piano that we basically wrote the entire Vigil album on. And it came up here, and that piano sat in, in this room, and it was, it, it was it worked great. The last time it was tuned up, I think the, the last album we used it on was Feast of Consequences. And we, it, it was only did a couple of bits, because it was like, <clears throat> the sound wasn't that great, I mean, compared to like what you have available now, you know, in the electronic side of things. You know, with the, the electronic keyboards, with the weights and things of the, the keys. But I've still got that piano and it's out in the garage. And next summer, I'm going to get it out and we're going to see if it still, it still actually works. And, uh, and if it still works, I'm going to get it all tuned up and maybe and flog it or whatever. But it'd be interesting because it might be out at the same time as the Vigil album. Ha, 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 ha. I've heard nothing. Right. I wrote. I wrote. I said. I wrote to my lawyer and I said it'd be really nice if I got the vigil license for Christmas. Uh, nothing back yet. So, one of my first duties in the first week of January is to go. Can we please sort this out? But anyway, the help and still piano. This one belonged to Chaz and Dave, and I don't think there's, there's, there's very there's very few of them about now, because they were superseded by the Yamaha CP70, and I bet you there's some musicians out there going like, I thought he was a singer. Well, I know I know very very little about that kind of techie shit, but this kind of stuff I do know a little bit about. But the Yamaha, the CP70 came out, which is the one that it took over until you know the electronics kind of the electronic stuff really kind of came on board. So what we have is a song that uh, was rejected, or well, it wasn't written when Marillion. Mickey Simmons came along to Gerald's Cross and we put this together and basically it was virtually an afternoon, right? And I had all all the lyric there. You know, we had the chorus there, everything was there. And Mickey just went, okay, let's see we go. No, that key's not right for you. You need to get there. And and, and it was done. And um, and it became the song. It became one of the songs. And, this, you know, and the company was born. And I thought, tonight, you know, well... Today, on Christmas Day, I thought, this is the one I want to play, you know, because it became a kind of trademark and it's always been a song that, that, that's featured in, in, in sets throughout my career. 
and it, it still means a lot. Some people think it's like it's about me and Marillion, and I think, you know, okay, <laughs> yeah, there was a bit about it, right? It was about. I think it was just about about myself as well. It had it did have a lot to do with, with, with leaving the band. There are subconscious references in there, you know, and um. But it was about, yeah, I just want to be my own. I trust my own company and I trust, you know, being me. You know, I've, I've, I've got, you know, and I had been at that time as well, you know, I'd been let down by a lot, a lot of people. So it was like, there was a kind of, there was an air of bravado and there was an air of defiance in it. And, and like I said, it became the company and it, it, it became the, the website for a while. And, um, and um, although it's now fishmusic.scot, it's, uh, you know, I think people still feel, you know, part of the company. And I don't think anybody that was part of that time and, and, and part of that era will, will ever kind of not be, you know, in the company. So that's what I thought I would play for you. And um, <clears throat> and before he... What's the remote? It's not in the box. It's not in the remote. Oh, there it is. No, it's not that one. It's up there. <laughs> Just with you. Um, so, you know what to do. It's Christmas, okay? So when we come, I know, I know, I, I'll, I'll never. You, you might not be able to do it, but I want. I, it's just the idea, right? Of people on their own, right? In various flats and houses, or wherever you are in Great Britain or Chile or you know America, Canada, Norway, right? It'd be just this one of them moments, right? So I'm going to play this song, and if you know what it's about, and <clears throat> you've been at a gig, then you know the, the various sections, right? So if you don't know it, when I shout out ballerinas, right, I want you to go in a ballet, ballet position, right, with your hands above your head, as such, right, and twiddle, right? And if we do this today on Christmas Day, I thought it would be quite fun, right? The fact that you're doing it on your own, you can't see anybody else doing it, but you know there are thousands of people all over the planet, right? Making an arse of themselves in the room, ballet dancing, with their neighbours looking and going, what's that guy doing? What's that lassie doing there? Right? So, this is it. Let me go and set it up. Uh, I have to do... Now, is that a roaring fire or is that a roaring fire? Huh? Oh, yeah. Well, ladies and gentlemen, the company! <laughs> Where beggars take checks and children steal credit cards from the pockets of wrecks that lie in the road I came to in my future and that was just yesterday unsure of my past that's a nut in my gut Buy me a drink. 
Abort, 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 abort. Dear Miss Smory, I've recently purchased a CD from your store. It's jumping. <laughs> it's jumping on a particularly awkward track called The Company. Come on. Come on. The first time this is going to happen here. Oh, it's a bloody mark in it. Be with me, talk about yourself, watch the advert for Curry on your TV. Reggie's. Four.
That was cool. Did you do it? Did you do it? Oh! Yeah, the company. Yeah, Marlon Nash, yeah, yeah, yeah. That'll bring back a lot of memories with people. Yeah, the old young, yeah. Yeah, I had to, because I went, I've got to do something on Christmas. It's like, you know, you know, we don't have Angela, you know, to do the dancing and stuff like that. But it's like, we don't have any special guests, so like, you know, it's just, it's just me and the missus. <laughs> That's it, it's us. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and it's just like, you know, I, I just had so many people, you know, this week. I mean, you know, there was a lot of people just being very sensible and employing common sense as they should do and... And the same way as myself and my, my, my daughter with Tara. I mean, I wish, you know, I wish her and Jonah were here today. And we just made the decision that it wasn't worth it. It was just too dangerous. And it was, uh, you know, and, you know, and this is it. And as of, as of tomorrow, <laughs> as of tomorrow, we're uh, in lockdown. In lockdown with the remains of a turkey. <laughs> and a lot of Sunday Times wine club boxes, yeah. which is good, you yeah. Mandy Breen, yeah. David Rudy Blackwood, Julian Craven, yeah. David Baranowski, yeah, it's cool. Phil Atwell, Royal Court, yeah, Phil. Royal Court and last one, the, the last two, yeah. Uh, um, I wanted to do another one. Some. Yeah, let's just see if there's any little questions. Like, oh, John Smith said, oh, yeah, there's a couple of guys here. Uh, oh, Laura Bittman Ward. Have we got the socks? Really cool. You've got socks. Have you got them? Where are they? In, in our bedroom. In our bedroom. In our bedroom already. <laughs> I've got socks with little remotes in them. Oh, Laura, thank you. It was really cool. And, um... We've got some nice cards for people. Doc Bob, thank you very much for the champagne as well. That was very thoughtful of you. Uh, yup, men's from Netherlands. Derek Brown. Derek, thank you very much for the chocolates as well. <laughs> thank you very much for the chocolates. I, I try and avoid it because it's like I, 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 it's very, 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 very nice, very nice, it's very nice chocolates. Um, Liam tried them all the way vegan. Yeah, did he? he? Couldn't resist. He had a few. Liam, be, Liam's a vegan. He's been our chocolate. He, he tried. I've been having a bloody word. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's like Private Edge. I remember uh, the, the first time we went to America, right? That's, um, you, you talk about this now and you go like, uh. <laughs> the first time we went to America, 
a private hedge. Uh, what's his name? Christopher Hedge was our, our center engineer. Uh, I've not seen him for years and years and years. He was a lovely guy. And he was, you know, when the, when the, when the Red Sea parted and, uh, and um, when the sea parted, he was on the other bank from where I was. And he stayed with the Merlots and was their sound engineer and, and went on to do a lot of people, including Genesis. And, um, uh, yeah, I forgot what I was going to say there. It'll come back. Privet Edge. It'll come back to me. Old age and wine. After all, it's Christmas. Mary Carolyn Bloom. I haven't seen my daughter Kaylee for a year except on Zoom. Simona's exactly the same. You've not seen Mona. If Mona and Tara won't be watching this, they're in, like I said, they're in Breslau in Poland. No, Mona's on the train back home. Well, she's on. She's on the train. Oh yeah, but um, yeah, yeah. We've not we've not seen the kids for over a year. Yeah. We've not seen the kids for a year. Someone has not seen them with mom and dad for a year. And uh, like I said, I mean, as of as of tomorrow, it's like um, you know, I'm gonna be, yeah, we'll be, you know, locked in. No. Lucina Fatima, you and Simone are very elegant today. You look very elegant, darling. Yeah. yeah. Right, we're moving towards the end, and I thought I wanted to play this one. As I said, it was, uh, um, you know, I'm really aware that this, uh, it's really easy. I mean, you know, last in the last week, I've had a, a couple of, you know, tough moments to deal with, and... Uh, you know, I think, you know, Christmas, you always remember people as well, because it's family. I mean, I, my idea of Christmas is family and family food and drink. The presents thing is, is just, it's a byproduct vibe, you know, but it's, it's, I think just being with people, I think that's why maybe the, the you know, the company was, had to be played. It is why the company had to be played tonight, because it is all about, you know, being with others. And I think, you know, that, that's why this Christmas is, is particularly tough for us all and that we're all you know forced apart from family and you know like i said i've been talking about that the, the anniversary and big gosh in a restaurant <laughs> it's like i can't remember the last time we were in a restaurant it's february i think i think do you find the last time we were in a restaurant was in valentine's day at fisher's yeah. fisher's and and Leith. we went, went for that was the last time i was in a restaurant february <laughs> last time i was in a pub was Last time I was a pub was, was, was February because you know with my mum and everything through there it's like it's a whole different ball game and stuff you know. Uh, uh. So it's um yeah and so I, I wanted to end with this one as well because I, I wanted to do two songs that were kind of you know happy songs you know because I think you know you know even though we're on our own like I said <laughs> just. You know, if you are on your own, just thank God that you do not have 23 grams of Bolivian, you know, Bolivian, Bolivian marching powder on you. It's something you don't want to do Christmas Day on your own. It's a real big no-no. Wow. Especially with a Kate Bush video. <laughs> but it's, um, but it's, uh, I want to end with this one. And I'm, I'm going to end because it's like I'm now getting to that stage where I'm on, I'm on tip. You know, the airing and alcohol fry should have been perhaps chosen at the beginning. <laughs> 
we're moving into it. Right? So, would you like to talk while I, 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 I get the track? No, I don't know what to Talk about one of your Christmases. What's your favourite Christmas? What do you mean, my favourite Christmas? You know, tell them what you get for your Christmas every year from me. Yes. What I get every year is a very special Christmas card, <clears throat> which is, brings me to tears now. No, give me. Give me. Right. So that's the third of these, and that's a Christmas card. And you're right. He, he always writes on the back of no, 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 at the back of it. And I won't turn it round because somebody will assume <laughs> to read what he wrote me. It's very personal, very special, and I love it. Yes. And I, because someone loves owls. <laughs> It's because someone loves owls, and uh, every year I can uh, I get her old related things. Where's the bloody remote? <laughs> it's, it's not in the remote box where it should be. <laughs> but yeah, so every year I get something. <coughs> I don't, I don't, I don't. Every year I always get her old related things, like your little bits and pieces. And this is the third one. So the first yeah. one was 18. That was in the tour. Mm -hmm. And uh, bear with me. And I was out on tour. I was on the 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 clutching. Um, no, we don't want that. No, no, we don't want that. That's what we want. So I was out on the, the clutching tour, and uh, we stopped at a truck stop, and I don't know. Oh, bullets. What are you looking for? No, okay, okay. So I was out on the Christmas tour, <coughs> and uh, I, did, I, I hadn't got any Christmas presents. So I was looking for anything owl-related that I thought was a safe thing, and I found those little owls. And they were, um, um, they were in a truck stop. And that year I thought, that's great. And I thought, well, it'd be really cool to write on it. So like every year I write someone's Christmas card on the back of one of these half logs that have got an owl in the front. And the really interesting thing is this room, this, the three in our room and the, the, my mum, they're on the back, the back of the, the, the bed. So there's a little shelf at the top of the bed. So there's the two owls there and my mum didn't know what they were. And uh I said to her, I said, that's the Christmas, morning's Christmas cards for the last two years. You couldn't quite get it. And it's like, yeah, there it is. And that's what we do now, every year. And, and I managed to find a place online where I can buy the things. So I managed to find one this year. So it's like every year, that's every year that passes. Like, the, the, you know, even over, we've got the, we've got the little owls. <laughs> and I wanted to play this because, you know, subject matter is maybe a bit dark, but it's about, it's about being positive. And I think, you know, that kind of sums up where it is at the moment. You know, so um, always trying to find, you know, always trying to find silver linings. You know, and it's, it's like I said, like it's Christmas. And, you know, and today I really wanted to do today. You know, was people go, what are you doing on Fishing Friday and Christmas Day? It's like, no, because I know there are people out there yeah. and I know what it's like and Simona knows what it's yeah. like. You know, when every year Simona's kids used to go to Poland with, with, with her dad and she was always left on her own and... And it was kind of, 
it was always very difficult for us. And, and through the years, we've, we kind of got together and we, sp we spent Christmases apart. Not because they didn't, they didn't want yeah, yeah, to yeah. spend it with me, just because yeah. I, I made it easy. Yeah. So it was... Um... <sighs> Throw me off. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so we've all kind of... We've all been through it. And I, I wanted to, to, to play this one because it is something positive. And it's another interactive song, right? It's an interactive Christmas. You know, so again, it's um, I want to play you this, and we'll we'll say good night. Um, but this is for all of you out there. If you know, either in a hospital ward, or if you're recovering at home, or if you're just on your own, or you're with, you know, you're locked in with, with, with family and stuff. You know, and we're all looking at the next three weeks, going like, oh fuck, we get through it. You've got to stay positive all the time, right? And um. You will trip and you will fall and you will get covered in shit some days and you will feel dreadful, but you just got to find things, you know, find stuff to keep you going, you know, because it's like you're alive. <laughs> That's it. You're alive and you should try your best to stay alive. You know? And just take care of yourself. You know, it's like don't be hard on yourself because you can't do things or whatever. Don't do that. Just keep yourself, you know, moving. And, you know, keep a smile, right? So I want to do this one. Because it's the smiliest song on the album. Oh, wrong note. <laughs> <laughs>
Christmas special, who would have believed it? <laughs> um, yeah, so we'll um, rage on into the night. Uh, I think I've got Chitty Chitty Bang Bang on record. Oh no! <laughs> <laughs> it's one of my favourites. So listen, uh, thanks to everybody who's uh, kind of come in and kind of switched on and tuned in today. Um, Wishing you all the best wherever you are. Uh, next week um, is going to be another year. <laughs> see you next year. Yeah, so that's it. No. So it's not so much see you next Friday, see you next year. Until then, have a fantastic Christmas wherever you are. Have a really good time, you know, and I hope you enjoyed it today. And uh, until next week, um, take care and stay alive. Okay? Ciao. Watch after, guys.